0: Hey, this is H1. We're gonna be running it back with another episode talking about chess knowledge, chess wisdom, chess understanding, and you know what? Let's just get our intro in right quick. You already know what I mean, yes, sir. Yeah, that that is not the intro. That is that is definitely not the intro. I, I mean this button. <laughs> that was not the intro button at all. But anyway, I'm glad that you could be here. I know it's been a while. Just hang out with me. I already told you that I, I was always coming back. I've been doing a podcast for like the last a few weeks now. Not a few weeks. It's it's actually been a, a lot of episodes in this season now. So, hey, uh, you can always listen to me on Spotify, Google Podcasts. You already, uh, you already know what you can listen to me on. But anyway... Uh, to all the people that is listening to me through the podcast, I'm doing a YouTube video too. So, hey, if you want to join me there, you can join me there. Or if you want to just stay at where you at, then you can stay at where you're at. Because what we're doing today is talking about the news. And the first subject we're going to be talking about is this Super Bowl quarterback, Joe Burrow, who knows how to play chess. And... Yes, we're going to be getting into the details of what he knows how to play, who he plays, and what he what he does on his spare time. I, so, I guess, what does this article say? It's an article by the Wall Street Journal, right? The Wall Street Journal, and um, dang, the Super Bowl is probably going to be done by the time this episode comes out, but anyway, Mr. Burrow, who plays under... Oh, wait a, wait, a wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't, I don't know what this word is, I don't, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't know what this word is, let me show you right quick, let me show you. Um, I know it just looks like a, a clear screen right now, but, okay, so, just follow along with me, you know, you, you know, I this is my first time, and my reading isn't swell, I already told you I'm a truck driver. I became a truck driver for a reason. Now, so just assume that I'm saying this word when there's like a blank. But on other news, let's get back into it. So, Mr. Burrow, who plays under a su- 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 on his phone and keeps a signed copy of the chess novel, The Queen's Gambit, at home, is one of the dozens of players who love chess so much that they use it to learn about football. All right, because there's the Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is a chestnut as is legendary receiver Larry um, Fitzgerald. So is Bengals cornerback, um, I can't say his name, but who plays on the board that Mr. Burrow keeps by his locker at practice. And so I guess, um, yeah, he's a chess player. But the interesting thing why I brought this article up was for this reason. Now... One trait that has served Mr. Burrow well on the football field has betrayed him on the chessboard. So he can be heard barking out plays even in the ear-splitting split, ear noise of an opponent's stadium. In chess, Mr. Burrow barking has occasionally got him banned. He he got to calm it down, but what is his barking? What what could it be? So as a chess player, it turns out Joe Burrow is a trash talker. What? I, I guess that's understandable. He's a football player, so I, I guess, um, I guess if I was doing like the the stereotypes of football players, they know how to trash talk, and so uh, yeah, that that's that that's great. So pawn pushers who turned into a recent chess.com podcast um, learned this. When they received a startling bit of news, Mr. Burrow has more than once had his account on a popular website muted for cursing out opponents in the app's chat function when he loses. Ooh, that's that's pretty... That's a lot. I'm not going to lie. That's a lot. Um, I don't know what to do about that one. Yeah, cursing... uh <sighs> Yeah, you can't be doing that. Uh, uh, let me see what chess.com has to say about that. It, it looks like um, Danny Wrench said, maybe sometimes he needs to hold back his emotions after he loses a game and not tell his opponents uh, how he feels. And pro tip for you, Joe, so that you don't get a warning from uh, our st- our support staff. And so we have been talking crap about chess right now. Bengals tight end, CJ Uzuma... Uh, Said over the offseason we haven't played yet but he thinks he's good okay so we got some rivalry going on here it, you know uh, so occasionally joe burrow he likes to curse at um people over um, com, but you know it, it, i i guess he's cool he, he's a cool chess player yeah except for the cursing we're gonna have to lose that one but i mean it, isn't it understandable though isn't it can you give a guy a little bit of credit? Because a lot of people don't know how to take losing very well. Not not everybody. I, I understand. Like, I'm not the person to go, like, comment something if I lose. Like, you suck or you're trash or go delete yourself. In which all these things have been commented to me, right? But I'm not the type of person that goes to, to text message my opponent because I don't really care who you are. Because, you know, online chess is very different from... Over the board chess, but I understand people's feelings when they, when they talk about this because I understand that some people just wear their emotions on their sleeves. They don't have that poker face. They they can't they can't have it, and uh, I mean I can think of several players, chess players who done who done this like Gary Kasparov, uh, Magnus Carlson. Uh, Nak- Hikaru Nakamura, His like th- all their emotions is on their face. I mean, Magnus Carlsen from a young age, like, dang near went to sleep in front of Gary Kasparov at, when he was like in his teens. And so, I mean, chess players can be disrespectful too. I was looking up for one of my outlines, I was looking up the terms of chess uh, for, for the podcast, and um, there is one term... Uh, th- that used to be said a lot, it was called um, a wood pusher. And I guess wood pusher back then used to just mean that like, you're moving pieces without a purpose, pretty much. And I think that we should um, bring that insult back, you-, you know what I mean? Because some, some of these... Uh, I teach this in my podcast all the time, but some of these people really do be wood pusher. They just be pushing stuff without even thinking about the consequences of their moves or their opponent's plans. Like So apparently you are a wood pusher and it's not like uh, uh, to me it's not an offensive word if you call somebody a wood pusher all right it it might mean something else nowadays than it did mean back then but still the, the principle still stands do not be a wood pusher okay now what what other stories do we have right now let's let's get started let's, let's, let's see right quick, apparently, um, Blitz Attack, uh, there's, there's this article by New York Post, Blitz Attack, Chess Prodigy claims he has, oh, wait a minute, he claims he was hacked after to raid against opponents, um, A Dutch chess prodigy claims he was hacked on Twitter after his account attacked other grandmasters and shared vulgar DMs Saturday night. What is, what is Anish Giri doing? What, what, what the, what is my soundboard doing? It was supposed to, did it play the sound that I wanted it to play? Did, Did it, did it not play? It's not playing it. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I guess we're just going without it because it was supposed to play that sound, but it, it didn't. It didn't do that at all. But let's just continue right quick. Um, so the Dutch chess prodigy, uh, um, Anish Giri, he's 31 years old, had tweeted a series of accusations against fellow countryman Jordan Van Forrest, world champion Magnus Carlsen, Carlsen's coach, etc. um... Uh, I, uh, some accusations against them. Magnus is the... Ac- Wait a minute. What, what was text message to him? Jordan gives my candidates prep to Magnus na- Magnus, and now expects me take him back. Uh, at PH, Chess sleeps with 17-year-old Thai... Pro- oh, my goodness. This just went... This just went insane. Du- Dubov is a cocaine addict. Magnus is an alcoholic who goes to strip clubs every other day. Should I expose more? A since-deleted tweet read according to screenshots viewed by the post. What kind of crap is going on in the chess world? Dang dang it. My dang soundboard should be working right now. That was an excellent, like, uh, it's, it's not going to work for me. But anyway, man, that is crazy. What is going on? This is... This is not made up, folks. This, uh, let me show you this article right quick. What, is, is it not it, it's not gonna pull up? It, not, everything just stopped working all of a sudden. There it goes. Okay, y'all see it now. So I what the what is going on here? The account belonging to Gary, who is ranked the seventh best Player in the world was awarded the title of Grandmaster when he was only 14. Also published a screenshot of a crude DM from former U.S. champ Hikaru Nakamura. If he doesn't accept the offer, then f that n word. I that um, purported um, message read. Wow, that that is crazy. That is crazy. That it seemed like somebody hacked that because I know. Ah, man, that is crazy that somebody can just do that. Uh, others came to the defense of the Chess Wiz, believing his claim that he was a pawn of cyberbullies. Remember, it's really not, not hard to fake messages. Happens all the time, one defender said. So I guess nobody knows. I guess this is just a gray area, gray area that nobody's going to know about for, for a minute now. Um I don't know exactly who side to be on in this in this moment. I know definitely that this website is making my computer slower for some reason, um, but in, in the meantime, I just deleted that mug. And hopefully, everything is smoother now. Um, but I don't know whose side I'm exactly on. I'm I'm gonna be like in the middle and just okay. So if a niche geary was hacked, then that that proves everything that was said, but. You know, from watching his YouTube channel and whatnot, I don't think that he would say something like that, honestly. But, you know, I, as a viewer, I can't just assume that everybody's just a perfect angel because I don't know the person personally. I, I'm, it's none of my business. Um, we, we could just move on from that one. I didn't know it was going to go that dark, man. I, I read the article before. Like, I mean, I kind of skimmed through the article before... I decided to put it on my YouTube channel, but, hey, it is what it is, yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy, hopefully, hopefully, if he did get hacked, man, uh, shoot, you have a good life after that one, because Twitter is going to be on your head for real, um, okay let's let's see about this next one right quick the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So, uh, the Berlin Grand Prix. And the finalists of the Berlin Grand Prix Grand Prix is Nakamura and Aronian. Hikaru Nakamura will take on Levon Aronia, and this is a Chess 24 article. Um, just to mention that. Okay. Hikaru Nakamura will take on Levon Aronia in the Berlin Fide Grand Prix final, final after both players comfortable drew on demand in the second game of their semifinals. Levon managed to equalize fully in 14 moves against L- Linear uh, Dominguez in. Lanier Dominguez and made a draw while more than an hour up on the clock. Uh, Richard Rapport at least kept his game against Hikaru Nakamura tense, but the US star found all the right moves until Richard, who had played a marathon 20 games in under a month, accepted a draw on move 30 rather than trying to fight for a win from a worse position. And so I guess this tournament has been going on for a while. The people that was in this tournament was, uh, I'm looking at it right now, Lanier Dominguez, Perez, um, Levana Ronian, Hikaru Nakamura, Ratchet Rapport, Richard Rapport, uh, Wesley So, Radus, Raduslav, I don't, I'm not ever going to try to pronounce your last name. I don't want to jack it up. Andre um Vladimir Fedoseev, Vedit, um, Danil Dubov, Alexander Grishuk, um, Pintla, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, um, Gregory, D. I don't want to be that person that, like, just says things fast just to be confident about it and then, like, uh, continue on, like, this inaccurate way of saying things, so I'm just, I'm just going to get better at, be more prepared next time. Alexei, Shirov, Intini, Baycroft, Baycroft and Vincent Kimir. But most of the names that I know, is, I, I know Vladimir Fedoseev vetted, uh, Dubov, Alexander Grishuk, Hakar Nakamura. I'm not surprised at the final two because, you know, Levon Aronian has always been like that person that people have said that should be a contender to Magnus Carlsen in the future. And Hakano Nakamura has just always just been a good chess player. Uh, so not really surprised about those two finalists. I guess these were classical games. Time control was 120 minutes um, plus um, 30 minutes, plus 30 seconds uh, increment. And it was 16 number of games. Uh, the number of players was 16. And number of games, we don't know yet, but it's already at like 56 games. Uh, so that's that's more accurate. This is in Berlin, Germany. And, yep, the, the finalists are Nakamura and Aronian. Which they will be playing their games. Um, so when this is out, is probably gonna be today, Monday, and Wednesday. That's when they're gonna be playing their games, and hopefully we gonna see who's gonna be the the Berlin Grand Prix tri- uh, champion, right? And that's that's the goal. So that, that's that's pretty good. That's that's pretty dope. Hopefully we can. Uh, see who the champion is in that one now i did want to go over one of the games that was by levon aronian his last win in that tournament against uh lanier dominguez now levon aronian's let let me switch up the board right quick let me switch it up now levon aronian was the white pieces in this game and the black pieces were Dominguez, Lanier Dominguez, the Le Aronian rating was 27.72 at the time, and his opponent was 27.52. Let's get into it right quick. We, we got to play a chess game. <clears throat> We got to play a chess game. Whoever's listening to this on the podcast, you probably need to get a chess board out or go to the YouTube channel to, to watch it you know, either one is cool, or try to visualize the moves, you know, um, you, you know the deal, as you know what we, be, you know what we be up to, you know what we be doing on the podcast, all right, let's, let's get into it, so we got D4, D5, C4, D takes C4, E4, B5, A4, C6, A takes B5, C takes B5, knight c3, queen b6, knight d5, queen b7. These are some weird moves. Like, dang. So apparently this is a queen's gambit except the central variation, gringo variation, blah, 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 whatever. So apparently right now we got a knight, (laughs) we got a knight on the center, right? Just controlling the center. We don't got that many pieces developed, Um, The only piece that we have out for white is the knight. And the only piece that we have out for black is the queen. And the queen should be moving the least in the opening. There should be more minor pieces being moved right now. But uh, apparently, instead of the pieces being moved and developed, um, we moved like 15 pawns from both sides. But let's see how the game goes on move eight with white starting. It is bishop f4, threatening the fork on knight c7, e5 blocking that. Bishop takes e5, knight d7, bishop f4 because they don't want black to start trading pieces with that bishop on um, e5. You don't want that to happen, so that's why um, white took the bishop to f4. So knight knight g f6, knight c7 check. King d8. Now black can't castle. Their king. Knight takes a8. Queen takes e4. Check, attacking the bishop in the in the king. All together. Knight e2, defending the bishop, and defending the king at this exact same time. Queen takes a8, um, taking the knight on a8. Okay, f3. Um, the F3 move is probably going to put the king on F2 and try to do like a manual um, castling with your hand. You know what I mean? Instead of just doing the regular castling by moving a light square bishop on F1, we're going to just put that king on F2 and it's just as safe um, on F2 than fully castled in this position. Especially with that D4 pawn putting in some work. So after F3 by white, we got knight D5 by black. Bishop g5 check, f6, bishop d2. This is such a weird game. Bishop d6, knight g3, queen b8, king f2, like I said, rook e8, bishop e2, bishop c7, rook e1, and let's just analyze this game right quick. We, we got a lot of pieces developed right now. And the last move by white was a rook e1. Now, if you look at this position right now, this rook on a1 hasn't moved one bit, but it is doing some work by attacking this a7 pawn. We're going to do the white pieces first. We got the, the bishops out, but this light square bishop has basically no future right now. But Atella has a future. It's is basically pointless. It's in the way. I wouldn't be surprised if they put that bishop on f1 in the future, just to get that rook um, uh, on e1 targeting something. Now that now <clears throat> now that dark square bishop is putting in extra work, making sure that that knight on d5 doesn't land into e3 anytime soon. So that dark square bishop is a key piece by white that is really securing the bag. Now, the knight on G3 could go into F5 any moment or H5. Usually, a knight on G3 is pretty pointless after black does a move like G6, but we're going to see what black is going to be doing in the future because that knight can, on G3 can still go to E4. And, um, I mean, the black king is still in the center too. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty bad. I don't know which side I would like to play more, but let's talk about the black side right quick before I say... Saving more so the queen on b8 is it's in the back but it is targeting this knight on g3 i don't know if that's like anything special since the king isn't on like g1 i guess the the white king can't move without the knight being taken twice but i don't know how special that is i'm pretty sure that we can just sacrifice that that pawn on h2 anytime soon if if we move the knight on e4 if the tactics work then um, the bishop on c7 taking the a the h2 pawn wouldn't even matter for him. So the the light square bishop on black side is pointless too. That that bishop is hopeless almost pretty much. And our bishop our light square bishop is pretty hopeless too. So we're good on that one. Now, black is um is down in exchange. Let's not forget that. And black is up to, wait a minute, are it, so are they down in exchange? Yeah, they, I mean, we took their rook, but it doesn't seem like that it's exactly a bad position by Black yet. Now, the just does think that this is equal, but in human standards, this is not equal at all, and this is going to be a decisive game just by... Um, how crazy the position is right now. So don't just believe that a position is equal just because the engine says so. Um, humans can't just equalize this position so easily. Now this rook on E8 by black is doing some work. And black's king is pretty protected right now if the center state is closed up. But once this D pawn goes and this knight on D5 go, yeah, this king is going to be pretty dangerous on this spot. I... I uh, would be surprised if the black king will survive that if the position opened up in the center. Uh, maybe there will be some time to run that king to the king side so it could be more protected, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe black can get um, these two extra pawns uh, to, um, to push them to create a pass pawn to have an advantage that can um, compensate for the loss of an exchange by the rook in the knight. So. Um, we got two interesting sides. I would take White's position just because it's a lot more solid, and I like being up like an extra exchange rather than being up two pawns. It's a, I think it's a lot more risky that way. On Black's side, so I would take White for this for this position. But who knows? Um, I think Black's queen is doing a lot more than White's queen, so. I would say that white has a little bit more activity. I don't know. It's a weird position, but let's see what happens. It's black's move right now. We're on a 20th move. Bishop b6. Um, question mark, exclamation point. Huh. So the the engine really didn't like this move. Let's see why. We're threatening this pawn on on d4. And that's the threat does that threat even matter? What's the best move? King g1 is the best move. Why can't black just take this pawn on d4? So if black takes the pawn on d4, king moves to h1. You remember what I said when this d file is open and this king becomes more threatened? Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much what's happening. uh, I can see right now. So after black takes that pawn on d4 you go to king h1 then uh, black's best move right now is knight e3 then you can do uh, what, what do they say the best move is at this position queen c1 um, bishop b7 bishop a5 check oh crap did the wrong move bishop a5 check Bishop b6, bishop takes b6, a takes b6, b3. So I guess it's not an immediate reason why um, they why black can't take the pawn. But it is a little bit sketchy, and black would have to play the best moves afterwards. It's kind of crazy, though. It it is pretty risky. I I know if I was playing black pieces, I would not take the pawn on d4 because it's too risky, my king is in the center, and why would I take the stuff that's defending my king? Remember, king safety is really important. I just did an episode on it, um, a podcast episode on it. So, instead of taking on d4 on the 21st move, black did knight e5. Double question mark now this was the wrong move to do. the best move was actually dang bishop takes d four that was that was crazy in that position Bishop takes d four was the best move that was the only move man I didn't even see it until now this is like a real live you know just looking at this stuff i don't i don't see how bishop so the engine says. Uh, it's, it's telling me two things man this weak engine i need something like really powerful because it, the engine is telling me uh, queen e5 is the best move but um it, it's telling me right oh no 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 okay so bishop d f- takes d4 isn't the best move queen e5 is the best move they're just telling me the variation that i did with the bishop takes d4 type of thing my back my back my back so Black did knight e5. The best move was queen e5. And remember, the the black queen can go to e5. And I can't capture the queen because the pawn on d4 is pinned to the king by the bishop on b6. So that would have been the best move to get the queen active. Now, knight e5 was the the worst move because of... Let's do king h1, getting out of the pin first. Knight c6 going back attacking the pawn on d4, b3, I'm breaking up the pawns on the queen side, c3, bishop takes b5, bishop d7, rook takes e8, bishop takes e8, bishop e1, knight takes d4, bishop takes, bishop takes e8, c2, threatening the queen, have to do something about that before we put the bishop back. Queen d3, can't queen the pawn yet because the rook on a1 is, is putting at work now. And th- that rook on a1 haven't moved at all, but it is putting in at work. King takes e8, bishop d2, double question mark, queen e5. Now this position is getting a little bit more risky for white because... Um, all of white, all of black's pieces are active right now. The the nice is at the center. We got a pass pawn on c two. We got a bishop on b six doing some damage, making sure that that knight on d four is posted. We got a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff going on, but um, white is still up in pieces. Rook c one, f five wasn't wasn't the best, well, it was the best move, it was the best move, f5, queen c4, knight e3, double question mark, it was a straight up blunder, the best move in that position is f4, pretty much not moving any of the pieces that were at the center, Um, usually black's position is a lot more complicated than white's position. And all it takes is for black to do one bad move. And that's why I liked white's position just a little bit more. I could defend more than I could um, stay in control with those three minor pieces. But knight e3, double question mark. All right. So we got queen c8 check. King f7. Queen d7 check. King g6. f4. Attacking the queen queen e6, queen takes e6, knight takes e6, knight e2, knight g4, g3, give us some space for the king to go to g2, f3, and etc. Knight c5, b4, knight d3, rook c2, knight gf2, king g2, knight e4, Knight c1 and after this black resigned because white is just clearly up in exchange and there's you you really don't want to test if a grandmaster they, they respect each other enough to to know that they respect each other enough to know that those grandmasters those elite grandmasters that are over 2700 rating they know that they're gonna get the job done no matter how many moves it's gonna take, they're gonna get the job done. So it's better to just resign. and just go to the next game, refresh, um, study that game, figure out what you messed up on, than to just like continue on disrespecting your opponent by playing on the game that you know that is um, losing for you. Now, I will clear. Uh, I will um, say just to make sure that y'all know that. Um, If you're under the Elite Grandmaster status, which is under 2,700 or 20, I would say under 2,600, don't just resign games. Don't just uh, resign games that you're only down in exchange. Because most people don't know how to play um, the end game exactly accurate. So you do still have a chance, like even if it's like a small 1% chance, you still have that 1% chance. Once you go over the 2,600 rating, there's not even that 1% chance anymore because those people are studying those end games every single day, 24-7. And they play like they play at chess tournaments every, I, I would say every single month, they're playing in a chess tournament. So they know these end games like the back of their head. I wouldn't test it. But never give up to everybody who is like, beginning chess uh, like all you 1, 1200 rated players you shouldn't be resigning at all even even um if you see my games and my game place i don't even resign and there's been times where i came back and i was down a rook so even at, at my online rating which is like 2100 if people are losing to me down a rook then you have no excuse of resigning but in this game, it was clearly done. They was up in exchange, and uh, Ronian got that spot on the last, um, on the finale of that tournament against Hikaru Nakamura. Now, I don't know who's gonna win, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. And that's all that I have today, folks. Thank you for being here. You picked the right person to watch today. You you made the right decision, and I'm gonna just see you later. I'll see you next time on the flip side and hopefully you're pushing P.